Welcome to Season 2, Episode 12 of Strike 3 Podcast. And yes, we're back. In today's episode, we discuss high school baseball assigning during COVID. We have a five-person guest roundtable of high school baseball assigners from all over the nation. We discuss the challenges that came with assigning during a pandemic, the last-minute changes everyone had to deal with, roster attrition, recruiting, and retention. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our five-person roundtable discussion. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Center. Wait, 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 CB. Yeah? That's not us, man. That's another show. Well, there we go. From underneath some milk crate in Northern California, it's Strike Three with CB, Enoch, and Trav. And here are your hosts, Colin Brown, Eric Nakagawa, and Travis Witt. Welcome to another splendid edition of Strike Three Podcast. I'm CB. I'm Enoch. And I'm Trav. It has been a long time, fellas, since we have uh we have been on and uh, recorded another episode i think uh close to three months it's it's been a while and we apologize to our listeners for that um however there were some things that could not be avoided the seems like the madness from the regular season ended up uh, bleeding over to the summertime you know enoch with your with your schedule and what you did during the regular season and the changes that you had to deal with were just maddening enough and then that just bleeded right over to summer yeah i mean you were busier than a one-armed paper hanger <laughs> yeah I was, I was trying to figure which end is up and and hopefully it, it was the right direction so Absolutely. as long as i kept within snorkeling depth i think i i, I, I kind of survived but um, yeah you did hence the the yeah. reason for this episode um so today's topic is going to be assigners specifically and high school assigners and how they dealt with the changes and everything like that during uh, during the basically the COVID season. And we have a great amount of people uh, here today. Eric, can you uh, introduce our uh, guest, please? Well, sure. We have some great guests and thank you very much for agreeing to, to meet with us on, on this topic. Uh, we we're kind of picked different corners of the country because you know we know Northern California. Uh, Colin, Travis, and I are all Northern California guys. We know what it was like here, um, but we wanted to talk to some of you out, out there. So we have Mark Clue from the Northwest Baseball Umpires Association up in, in the state of Washington. Um, I'll jump to the other corner of the map to uh, Scooter Morrison down down in Florida for the Florida High School Athletic Association. Pick somewhere kind of a little north of that. Uh, Phil Porter from River City's Baseball Empires Association, which is in West Virginia. And we have Steve Wanamaker from the Orange County Baseball Empires Association down in beautiful Orange County, California. So we kind of picked the different things. Uh, as a reminder, the group I assigned for is Northeast Bay Umpires, which is right around San Francisco, uh, obviously North, which is Marin County. And then we do the East Bay side, which is Alameda, Contra Costa, and parts of Solano County. So... Um, I think we've got a pretty good representation. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for your time, guys. Great. Well, if we can kind of jump jump in the, the first topic here was uh, overall, how, how was your 2021 season? Uh, 
you know, you're all here now, so you all survived. So um, congratulations. <laughs> you know, how, how was your season affected? I, I, what was different for you guys? Like for me is we didn't get a schedule. Usually we get a schedule in December or January from each of the leagues and, and the independent schools, put it together and we assign out the season out in California starts, regular season starts near the end of like the second or third week of February. This year, we didn't get a schedule till um, probably President's Day for a for a March 1st start. And oh. it was just a skeleton schedule. And I, I had game changes from schools every single day from then until uh, the first week in June. Every day, but three days. I had game changes from schools or the leagues. I've got a stack, probably inch and a half tall, emails of, change the state, change the state, move these games. Did you guys, any of you guys, anything like that? Every day, every yeah. single day. So just one point of feedback. I am not, not to correct, but I am not a representative of the Florida High School Athletic Association. We're a little different in Florida in a lot of ways, but uh, the FHSAA sanctions local chapters or local uh, associations. Oh, okay. I'm the president of one of those associations. I just didn't want this to get out and think I was representing the FHSAA as a whole. I represent a sanctioned group. We're a one officials association. We're in the Daytona Beach area. And uh, we do five sports, baseball, softball, six sports, football, flag football. And uh, I also am the uh, founder of American Sports Officials predominantly a baseball uh, a group uh, here in Florida and probably like you, like California, uh, we do, we don't have seasons here. It's just the next set of games. It's year round. And uh, for, for us, Eric, D-Day was March 13th, 2020. Uh, I was on the field and I was talking to a buddy of mine. I did a college game that morning. I was doing a high school game with a buddy of mine that night. And a couple other high school umpires and college umpires there said, hey, have you heard schools are pulling their teams off the fields like this? It happened. We worked all those seasons. We lost in Florida. We have a pretty extended season. We lost about a little more than half of our regular baseball season last year. And then when we've picked back up, it's just like you described in every sport. Uh, they're all the same. Um, get, game changes day of. I mean, we've had games – five o'clock games at four o'clock, a school call and go, hey, listen, we got three kids with a fever or whatever, whatever the widget is. But uh, but as far as game changes go, uh, Florida has been no different. And I know many of the assigners here, uh, every assigner from the college level, I, I uh, assigned the Florida Collegiate Summer League. From the college <laughs> level, I work college, I work college baseball for three different assigners. From the college level to the little league level, it was pretty much I don't even I don't even see organized chaos. It wasn't even organized. It was chaotic uh, the entire time. So that's kind of the story here. It, it, Scooter would it be fair to say whack-a-mole. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, we literally, and, and I know these other guys have great counts too, but our baseball assigner uh, for our high school group, I remember days where we had an, an official start a four o'clock JV game in the base gear. Because somebody didn't get out of work till 4.30 till that person could get there, jump on the field, switch out, so that guy could head to a 6 o'clock game, start it so the guy who got off work at 5.30 could get there at 6, and then go to another school and start the 7 o'clock varsity game 
that literally happened here. That wasn't a one-time thing. That was a, that's the type of genius and craziness that some of our assigners were doing. I know of many instances, umpires working pieces of games multiple times during one night just to get everybody through it. Uh, it was that, it was that kind of season. Well, I didn't even think of doing that. I'm gonna write that one down. <laughs> Bill, how about you, man? Um, here in Ohio and West Virginia, we had 2020 was just uh, March 13th was the last day of both. As soon as basketball season there was in the state tournament, they canceled the baseball and softball I signed for both. Uh, they canceled them right off the bat in 2020. So there wasn't trying to fill that schedule. 2021 uh, was a lot more uh, complicated uh, being that uh, we lost about a third of the umpires. So I lost about 98 umpires in Ohio. I lost in West Virginia, my association, local association alone, I lost about out of 30 umpires, I lost uh, nine right off the bat. Boom, just taken off wow. the thing. And then the ones who kept working, uh, I had some of those guys who uh, kept working uh, through the process. Well, I will tell you, we covered every game. There was never, I was lucky. I was very proactive with getting my games covered in the 21 20 season. Uh, unlike some other assigners that were affected greatly, probably heavier, but um, I, I'm retired from the military. So me staying on Arbiter, we use the Arbiter for assigning, but staying on Arbiter, making phone calls. I mean, living on Arbiter for six, seven hours a day, trying to make sure got, games were covered with that process. We didn't have one game canceled because of not having umpires, but we did have a lot of games covered by guys who shouldn't be on the game of class three status, which is just right out of high school, covering a varsity game. Probably never done really, but never done JV, but once, but doing varsity games. So, but we had them covered, you know, knock on wood. But that was what we went through here in Ohio, West Virginia area. Yeah, guys covering games. Yeah, that that was. I have a question about Arbiter. We use Arbiter ourselves here. Is I found myself just staring at the screen, hoping an umpire would magically appear. <laughs> morning for an 8 a.m start the next day yeah okay good i'm not the only one i don't feel so bad <laughs> mark how you about know, you? I, I think arbiter is a great tool i think probably you guys have the same problem i have i have guys who don't they're still uh it's fairly new to west virginia and ohio ohio it's just been getting into it. They weren't using another their own uh, uh, their own computer site. They've been going to it for the last three years. West Virginia was doing. I've been doing it for West Virginia for eight years, so my guys are very accustomed to it in West Virginia. But Ohio, the Ohio umpires are new to it. They kind of don't like change. They used to write it down on paper and chicken scratch and a text message or a coach calling them. They had they felt like more control. But uh, in that process, guys who not updating their open and close dates. Oh, I want to stick my head through a wall. Really, just email after email, text message through text message. Please, just, I mean, don't waste my time or yours. Just just hit the block if you can't work, you know. Yeah, yeah. well, I'm not going to talk, even go into the guys with flip phones only, so. <laughs> <laughs> like, stop giving me hope, damn it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Or what about the guy, what about the guy, every assigner has this guy, too. You assigned him, you know, summer ball. You assigned him four games for Saturday. Two weeks out, he accepted it. He calls you Friday night. Hey, tomorrow's my anniversary. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> didn't realize. Yeah. Can't make can't make it tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we all got, got we all have 
friends like that. <laughs> Mark, how, how about Northwest? How did you all fare up there? Well, uh, you know, all in all, we, I think we did, we fared well uh, under the circumstances. Here in King County, which is Seattle and, and the suburbia, we take care of uh, 68 high schools uh, in King County, a few in other counties, but mostly King County that we're contracted to take care of. And again, we use Arbiter as well. Uh, we typically have 140 to 150 uh, officials that are, that are working. This year, we probably used on average 75, maybe 85 guys to do about three quarters of what we normally do. I'm okay with sharing numbers. We usually do about 125,000 in pass-through in game fees just for school. And uh, this year we will do about 90, a little over 90,000. Our school season is typically middle of March, the middle of May, and then postseason afterwards. And, uh, and finish off Memorial Day weekend, tournament championships and so forth. And then, of course, we have a tremendous amount of non-school ball that we take care of right through the end of October. We had a, a number of guys really, uh, really uh, come to our rescue, so to speak, and, and pull a lot more games. We had guys with brand new knees that showed up and have got 125 games in, which is absolutely unheard of. Uh, it, it's just uh, amazing. Uh, I can echo the sentiments of a couple of guys here. We've heard that, yeah, I had to pull guys out from the lower ranks to, to do lower level varsity, not our upper level varsity, thank goodness, but our lower level varsity. Most of our lower level varsity is, is in the, the metro area. And I was able to do that with the board's uh, uh, blessings. Uh, they pretty much leave a carte blanche to, to myself. Regarding COVID, probably had 30 contacts made to me regarding hey, uh, this umpire is exposed to somebody at, at the job or what have you, and they're required to uh, sit back and, and wait for 14 days. And uh, I probably had at least two dozen of those situations where I had to, you know, bring in guys at last minute, you know, so on and so forth to, to cover. But all in all, we really were able to cover just about uh, uh, everything. Instead of a 60-game uh, season, 60-day game season, it, it was 100 days. We spread it out for 100 days. The other th thing that we went through, and it's just by coincidence, is the Washington Official Association, or WOA, elected to turn over the responsibility to all the high school administrators, and, and they uploaded their own games. I don't know how everybody, everybody else does it, but they usually will send us the games and we upload and then assign. They were uploading themselves. What a mess. <clears throat> it's an absolute mess. Uh, half, they just didn't know how to do it, or they did it incorrectly, or whatever. And it was just a matter of going and cleaning up. So a combination of dealing with COVID on one side, cleaning up after the administrators, <coughs> Excuse me. On the other side, uh, it made an interesting day. And some of my days were 10, 12, or 14 days in front of the screen, you know, taking care of, uh, yeah. of those things, making sure the game fees are correct, travel fees are correct, <clears throat> you know, so on and so forth. Um, and then putting a, a mixed match of 
umpires together to make sure everything's covered. Yes, we got everything covered as well, but we did about 70, 75% of what we normally do. I just got off the phone with Todd Stordahl, head of WA, and here in, in uh, Washington, and he said that they're anticipating next year, we're going to start clean, we're going to start new, where it's going to be normal. It'll be middle of March to the middle of May instead of the middle of June like it was uh, uh, this year. Um, speaking of, or going back to 2020, uh, when we had no school ball, we did... Um, we did about 5% of our normal business for all of 2020, and that includes our other ball. We do eight, 900,000 in business. We did about 20% of that, and, uh, you know, for the year. So guys were anxious to get going, uh, so on and so forth. But we ran into an issue where we had apprentices. We had 20-odd apprentices go through training. It's 40 hours of training, and they had no baseball in 2020. So what do we make them? Do they come back as an apprentice? So we created a new level called the Apprentice 2. And those are guys that have already gone through training, may have, may have worked one game or maybe a few fall ball games, what have you. So we actually were forced to create a new uh, tier level. We have Apprentice, Apprentice 2, CBA, and the college. And uh, that seemed to work out really well because we had to separate the guys that came on in 21. And that, uh, with COVID, that definitely affected our recruiting efforts. I think we brought in three guys. We averaged 18 to 20 guys every every year. Was COVID did, did affect, uh, you know, what's uh, what's going on. All the umpires had to wear masks out, out right out the gate. And then uh, as the governor modified, uh, you know, what we could do, what we could do, uh, if you were vaccinated, then you, were, you didn't have to wear a mask. But you didn't have to show proof of vaccination. So it's all the honor system, that sort of thing. So those are kind of some of the things that we've had to uh, had to go through. And then lastly, the we do uh, for, we do uh, a great deal of fall ball, but we have been informed that our fall ball business is probably going to be double. It'll be double from what it usually is because guys are anxious to get out there and work, make more more baseball because okay. they 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 haven't been able to much in the last couple of years. So. All in all, that's uh, kind of where we're uh, at. So it was a kind of a perfect storm with the WA saying, okay, all the administrators are going to uplift their own games. And and the uh, and I didn't have to invoice for the first time in forever. The, the drawback was we've got brand new secretaries coming in year after year, this, that, and the other thing. And the baton, is, is, it's not always, always a clean uh, toss uh, switch with the, uh, with the baton. And so kind of had to baby babysit uh, these guys until they, they kind of figured things out. But yeah. But all in all here in the Northwest, mm -hmm. I thought we did okay. We fared okay. Okay. Well good. Good. So Steve, down at your end of the state, how'd you all fare down there? You know, I think we did pretty well. Um, you know, I I think I do need to preface it that I'm not an assigner. I'm the instructional chairman. Uh, but I do work closely with with Gary Gilman, who's the assigner here. And I do know that we were down I would say a couple of thousand games uh, overall. You know, we assigned for all of Orange County, which is about 80 schools. Um, and yeah, that, we saw loss of entire levels um, at schools, meaning entire programs, freshman programs or JV programs just being shut down in certain schools. So that right. limited the number of games that we had overall. Um, I know that Gary was sifting through literally hundreds of changes you know, the schedules being late, um, you know, really being on the computer 
you know, looking through Arbiter literally eight hours a day at times straight. Um, so becoming a, <laughs> a full-time job for him. Yeah, I mean, I personally had, I think, three times where I, I had two games in a day where I, I changed sites. Um, I don't recall that ever happening in the last 10 years. Um, oh. So, you know, we definitely had our workhorses that, that we relied on to, to fill games. And I do know that there were some games that either had to be moved, uh, meaning they, they had to move the day because we literally didn't have any officials for, for that day left. I don't know about completely canceled games. There, there probably were a few, but I don't think that many. So, you know, overall, I think we fared pretty well. We, we normally um, carry about 200 umpires in the association. This year, we had about 135 active officials. So in a way, it was kind of commensurate with the, the, the loss of games. Uh, having the loss of umpires and it, it balanced out reasonably well. Um, I would say that we we could have used 15 or 20 more umpires and, and bit, been a lot more comfortable. But, you know, the other thing that I wanted to mention is I think an effect that, that COVID has, has had on our season this last year. Uh, we found that the, the parents and the fans were very wound up. We had a lot more fan incidents than we've ever had. Huh. Um, you know, fans following uh, umpires to their cars and, and berating wow. them, cussing them out. Um, you know, we had, to, we had to report fan incidents to CIF much more often than we ever had. Um, we dealt with schools directly to have fan behavior addressed where fans were literally banned, um, parents banned for, you know, at least a certain period of time. So, yeah, I, I, I definitely think COVID had that effect on, on our season as well. And I, I don't know if you, I've, I'm seeing some nodding heads there. <laughs> like that, that's maybe nationwide. Yeah, you pop you pop that up and every head on we, we do this by zoom every head was nodding up and down yep right. yep, yep. Um, yeah that, that was scary we were back. so much the uh the fans we didn't have a lot of fan problems but we had in the high school group uh when we came, when we started back our group was not a huge group in florida but we may have two to three ejections a year maybe a couple players and maybe one coach we had four coach ejections in the first two weeks wow uh, wow we've never had like we have a good rapport with our coaches and stuff but it was like it was like and you guys know what i'm talking about here it was like it was like they were in mlb like charging out of the dugouts like like it was it was you could tell they definitely had some pinned up uh readiness uh, about them so we definitely saw that. I would say overall, our ejections were about the same. Um, you know, you're always going to have the, the malicious contact ejections and, you know, that's going to happen. As far as coach ejections, I would say overall we were down, but I think that's more to do with the, the warning progression system that we really hammered into the heads of our officials uh, <laughs> to make sure that, that yeah. clear warnings were issued. And I think coaches realized and, and heeded those warnings more this year. Um, so I think that really had a, a good effect on lowering our ejections. Yeah, for our group, so we have uh, 
we had a staggered start. So we cover four different counties in the Bay Area and each one had different COVID protocols. So for the, the three and a half leagues we service, everyone had a different start date. So for us, for our reduced numbers of umpires and you know, reduced number of games because a lot of them dropped their non-varsity kind of as we, we were able to get through, but we had a staggered start. But as far as behavior, because we didn't have um, sectional playoffs in North Coast section. And so a lot of coaches, they're just here for the kids to play. And you kind of sat back. And then now near the end, they were the unofficial league titles. Then it started ramping up and then we started having more ejections. Because um, suddenly it mattered when it didn't matter for the first three, four weeks. And suddenly near the end, I was like, oh, wait, this might matter for the phantom title. So that's how ours kind of went. So it was an interesting, interesting year. Now with um, everything starting up pretty much with the high school sports coming, starting after the COVID break, um, most, most uh, especially out here in California, everything started together. All the sports started at the same time. Did you guys um, have any effect? Was there any, um, say, problems with competitions in other sports or non-scholastic baseball for you to schedule or work around or try to get staffed if you assigned for the other sports? Um, Phil, why don't we start with you on that one? I don't think we had any conflict between the two scholastic sports or different sports combining in that process. I think the only thing that we might've had was, um, and, I, and I put in my notes, the little sheet you all put out there. The only conflict that I had was guys, and this is just uh, as an assigner, guys getting the stimulus package, they didn't want to work. Once they got that yeah. money, I had guys going, oh, I'm sorry, uh, I know I accepted that game and it just didn't work for weekends at a time which they're no longer on my list. But once they told me that, they, you know, yeah. went through that process. But that, uh, and that was very far few in between. But the, with the crossover between the different sports, I, we didn't have that here in, in Ohio or West Virginia. We didn't have that. We, they did a good job. The, uh, both uh, state associations uh, boards did a good job spacing out the sports when they needed to, okay, to, to, to prevent that to happen. Uh, through the, we don't have a lot of guys who do summer sports here. They travel down. They might go down to Florida and work a little bit through the summer ball or through that process, but they don't stay in this area. A lot of guys travel outside this area to do it. Yeah, they come visit you, Scooter. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Thank you. Steve, uh, with being out in California, any cross uh, sports you had to work around? Yeah, I would say the, the biggest competition was basketball. Given the choice, I, I would say most officials that work both basketball and baseball are going to take basketball games over baseball. Um, so that was probably the biggest competition, maybe football a little bit on the early side, but I will, I don't think as much, but yeah, definitely there was conflicts with, with basketball and, and, you know, getting guys to, to work baseball for sure. Mark, any issues, uh, with you up in the Northwest? Yeah, we had, uh, actually a lot of conflict. They moved, uh, fall football to spring of 21, they moved hoops, which starts Thanksgiving and goes through the first of February. Right. Everybody was basically working. Uh, there are three sports actively being played um, in middle middle of March. Um, so 
we had to uh, negotiate with, we were forced to negotiate with the other assigners. Uh, I can really use this guy in a double header. I'll give him up for your double header next week. You know, it's kind of going back and forth, and that's kind of what we ran into. And then as the uh, as as basketball and football dissipated, then we were able to uh, garner our, our guys. We've got guys up here that work three and four and five sports. They work pretty much year round. All of a sudden, <laughs> they're making all their money in six months. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so it was a lot of money without doubt. Scooter with the yeah, year so round. The competition was a little different. Once again, I have the high school group that I'm a part of, and then I have American sports officials that I run that pretty much handles our, right. you know, our everything else, non-high school. I mean, we do 12, 14,000 games a year. And let me assure you, all the places in the world, the country that were shut down or didn't play, Every one of your kids came to Florida this summer. Uh, our biggest competition <laughs> was just the sheer game numbers. You know, um, I did want to say this back to that other piece. Some of you guys really commented back to how was our season affected. And I want to recognize that some heroes emerged in our group. There are some guys, there's some folks that just strapped it on and went to work. And yeah. uh, they deserve medals for what they did. And we wouldn't have survived without them. We never canceled a game because of umpires other than two occasions because the athletic directors forgot to give us the game. So they showed up, no umpires, but it wasn't on our end. And we actually even covered four or five more of those. And the other thing we had is it happened occasionally. I don't know if some of you guys, no one mentioned this, but we had probably at the high school level, we probably had half a dozen games that just happened with one umpire, all JV. It was either I got a big varsity matchup tonight and they're going to have two good umpires and the JV is going to have one or I can, you know, split it up. But we, we did do that. But as far as the competition, back to that question, we had none of our seasons changed. We got through everything. We got over half of a baseball season in and nothing ever changed for us. Now, some game numbers were diminished, but during in, in our in our group, we only do five sports. So in baseball season for baseballs, high school, the only other thing we have going is softball. We have a small margin of guys and gals that go that do both. Um, but, but we share those, but we, we also have flag football in that time of year. And some of those folks cross over, but in our particular association, our assigners work really well together. Hey, you've got five, boys volleyball games tonight i need two officials can you can you cover that let me have this guy they do a really good job with that even uh, i work with college assigners and at the college level assigning high school um the college level the high school guys we were on the phone with one another i mean the d1 guys calling the d2 coordinator d2 guys calling the guy who schedules the junior colleges the junior colleges is getting high and we just moved and we played dominoes uh there there was a day there was one day uh, it was a Saturday that I worked, and I'm not one of those guys. I don't do this anymore, but I worked three different levels of baseball on one day at some, in some level or, or form, and that's just what we had to do. But our biggest competition was the other level sports. We always take care of the game in order. 
if you have a high school game and the college assigner needs you, we release you. you. You, we take care of the game in order. That's the way it has to be done. When the pro guys call, we release the college guys. When the college guys call, we release the high school guys and so forth. So we always, we never say a word to an official about that. So we competed there some because in Florida, I know the guy who, uh, the Florida collegiate who does most of Florida's college assigning, we have a lot of colleges here. Uh, because of what one of you guys said about the, you, you know, your rookies uh, having that training and then never getting to work. One of the things that he did is he, he, he didn't hire because everyone had lost the season the year before. So he kept his staff to keep guys working well as five umpires drop off because of COVID or five guys don't want to work anymore because it's too dangerous or this guy's exposed, you really get tight with your roster. We competed with levels of baseball. And then in the summer, it was quite different. Uh, we had guys, and I mean, pretty darn good big-time college umpires. They're down at the local uh, tournament facility uh, here working five and six a day at 60, 70, 80 bucks a game, whatever they're paying. And they didn't want to work the college summer league college game or the one-off high school game because they literally could stay at these tournament sites and work four and five a day all day long. And in Florida, uh, from June to August, we have this thing at three o'clock, it's called thunderstorm and lightning for two hours, every <laughs> evening, everywhere. And, uh, so we competed with, I can make more money here or the level of baseball I'm working with. And it really was never other sports. No weather. No. Tudor, I don't know if you want to hear this, but I don't think we had a single rain out this year. <laughs> throw, throw it in his of, face of course, yeah of course <laughs> our state is on fire right now yeah true we get air quality delays in games or cancellations out here so. that's so foreign to me like <laughs> I, I did have one day it did rain and it must have been near the end of march i think only three games canceled though all the other games were able to either were played just before it or after it, um, but that yeah, only only three rainout games on that day. And the all the other games that day played. It was a Saturday. The other thing that was different for us is our governor's pretty wide open. Like keep everything open. We're Florida, and so a lot of power went to the individual school boards or institutions or schools. So how we handled COVID protocol is, our, do we wear a mask? Do we not? Well, college, we did. We had to. But like high schools and so well, we, we instituted with our association, our group, what we call law of the land. Whatever the institution that you're going to requires you to do, do that. So that, that was a difference. Like, so you could be at a private school one night who required no mask, nothing, and you'd be fine. Then this school board in this county requires everybody to have a mask. So it was, our officials were very adaptable literally from night to night because we went by law of the land. When in Rome, do as Rome is do whatever that athletic director or coach wants you to do. Steve, what did you guys do in Orange County for that? For COVID, COVID protocols? Yeah, I mean, we, we had to wear masks, um, both plate and base umpires had to wear masks. You know, there were some other things that, that, you know, there were some schools that required you to go through, you know, the questions, you know, have you, do you have these symptoms? Have you had a, a contact with anybody? Uh, some schools did that and some schools didn't. We initially had this 
Well, I, I mean, the rule was was in place for the entire season, but I, I really only think it got enforced maybe in the first few days because it was such a pain where any time a pitcher would go to his mouth, you know, even if he would wipe properly, um, you were supposed to, you know, call time, switch out the ball, have him use hand sanitizer. And I did, I, I did that literally uh, once. And I said, I, I've had enough. <laughs> um, I, it was, it was such a ridiculous uh, interruption to the game and nobody even knew why we were doing that. So you just tended to not see the pitchers go to their mouths, you know, unless they would then go to the ball and, you know, under the regular rules or if they went to their mouth on, on the rubber, which never right. happens, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So that, we kind of had that as a rule, but otherwise, um, you know, it was business as usual out there just with wearing masks. Yes. We had that. We had two schools that, Asked their umpires have a COVID test um, within two weeks of game day. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had the same thing. Yeah, yeah just yeah. a few schools. And of course, they got all college for the first three weeks of the year. They all got all college because <coughs> they were the only guys testing regularly. So I, I worked more, uh, I think, JV games <laughs> those couple of weeks just at those, those couple schools just because, you know, I was testing every week anyway. So all right. I will say that towards the end of the season, when the, the mask mandate for outdoors went away, um, I wasn't wearing a mask. Um, I would say the last month of the season, give or take. Yeah, yeah. The way the way I did it is, is I did it like Scooter said. If the schools said everyone is going to wear them, we want them. If they said didn't matter, then it didn't matter. So. Yeah, I had it in my pocket in case somebody said something, but otherwise it, I wasn't wearing it yeah. and nobody ever said anything. Yeah, I wore it, it'd be around my neck and then. Yeah, even the schools who said something, yeah. we would go to the plate meeting with it on and as soon as we all parted, everybody pulled it down and then if we got together, we would put it up. Nobody said a word. Uh, the biggest thing was that I couldn't get used to is we had to bring our own water. I can't tell you how many times I forgot to bring a bottle of water. Nobody would bring you oh. water because they stopped. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's true market. for us too. Yeah. Yeah. No water. That was that was brutal. You know, the change that, that we had, we experienced with masks was uh, the base umpire did not have to wear a mask unless there was somebody on the bag. So somebody on the base, then they had then they had to put the mask yeah. on, which was different. And the other thing that we did to avoid the mask, if the umpire said, "No, I'm not going to wear a mask," then he can call balls and strikes behind the uh, behind the mound, which we don't. Yeah, <laughs> we don't feel that that's the way to go. But we had a few guys that said, "Yeah, I'll call mine now," and they didn't have one. So one no man, yeah. Well, they just go sit. They just go sit in the stands. We all exactly. know that you can see balls and strikes better from the stands. Well, they, they, great exactly. view. That's a great view there. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> or on the bucket, you know, in the yeah. dugout. <laughs> that's even a better view. <laughs> yeah. Phil, how did you guys do in? There with the, the COVID stuff. I did. So what we did in West Virginia, there was, uh, I think there was a week we had to wear a mask then there was nothing. We we're good off of that. Ohio tried to do the uh, defense to keep their own ball. So we wouldn't use the same balls. So every time the uh, defense would come up, they bring the, they hand me three balls. The pitcher would have his own ball. I project it and they would pitch and then they would take it back with them. And the new team would come up every half inning and switch out balls. That's what they did. 
they tried out here in California. They did that at least around here that lasted about a week and a half. Um, but, but inevitably even the very first game, right. The the putouts at first base, the first baseman, you know, going to third base dugout runs by the mound, drops the ball on the mound. (laughs) And the next kid comes up, picks it up, takes his ball, throws it back to the dugout, picks up the one on the mound. (laughs) We had a hundred days of uh, school ball and, uh, not one umpire touched the baseball in a hundred days. Oh, wow. Did you guys use the, use the ice tongs thing that uh, there was the, the tongs. When we were doing the, yeah. the clinic, <laughs> the tongs. The guys yeah. from this, no, the defense threw the ball every time. Suggesting never, yeah. they never had. They wow, had the wow. And there's yeah, a handful wow. of guys that shouldn't be handling the baseball. The I was going to invent a suction yeah. cup, you know, just to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we, hey, we know we, uh, unfortunately, yeah, Steve is going to have to leave here uh, in a minute or two, uh, but I wanted to definitely uh, get his thoughts on uh, recruiting uh, with the diminished numbers uh, nationally that we've seen. And we've been having a problem with recruiting, um, and that could be a podcast in and of itself. Nationally speaking, uh, we're having an issue. And of course, with COVID, that only amplified it being that, you know, there were people who decided not to do it because it was COVID, they didn't want to take the risk or bring it back to their family, or they just, uh, after the season of no baseball, they just decided to hang it up. Steve, what are you and your association doing uh, to boost your roster numbers? Well, first of all, we we definitely had a a group of guys that um, decided they didn't want to umpire this year because of COVID for various reasons. Um, I expect them to almost all of them to be back next year, uh, which I think will fill our roster pretty well. Um, I'm sure we're much like everybody else where, you know, we're going to lose a certain number of rookies every year, a certain number of second guys every year. You know, it seems like once they're in the association for three years, they're pretty solid and, and they stick around, you know, our rookie class was down last year. Um, you know, the, I think continuing to uh, recruit out of the, the youth leagues, you know, Little League, Pony, is just an excellent uh, place to, to, to find umpires. You know, maybe some folks that developed a little bit of a passion for it and, and want to move up to the next level. Um, and then, you know, recruiting high school kids that aren't playing in college or maybe some college players that maybe they want to earn some extra money. Um, you know, what we do need is we need a youth movement in our group because our group is aging and, um, you know, we need to backfill with some, some younger folks, um, to keep this association strong, you know, into the future. So, um, you know, we, we've tried, you know, setting up tables at events and this and that, and we never really get a lot of interest in, in those. I think it's really just finding people that, um, that have done some umpiring in, in youth leagues and, and bringing them up to the, to the next level, I think is probably the best way. Excellent. Thank you, Eric. What, uh, for your association, uh, I want to go back to the, the going to youth leagues. So I called four different leagues that, that we've done, you know, done training for them and help, help them out and affiliated in some way or another kind of over the years. Um, every single one of them said, you know, we're looking for help. You know, some of the adult umpires and some of the old, you know, obviously you got to be 18 and over in California to be a work high school baseball. Um, 
you have anybody that, you know, we can kind of bring in our training program, help bring them into the program? They said, no, matter of fact, we were meaning to call you because we're going to have almost no umpires this year. Can you have any umpires for us that can help us out with our season? <laughs> it a little bit of a backfire. Completely yeah. backfired on me. Yeah. <laughs> no, but can you help? Scooter, <laughs> what was it? Uh, what's it uh, like for you down in Florida? Uh, it is a daily challenge now. Once again, the land of baseball here, baseball everywhere. It's year round. It never stops. Um, baseball season just leads to baseball season here. So what, and I'll start here, then I'll backtrack. I've got 600 umpires on my roster and wow. I didn't have nearly enough. I mean, nowhere near enough. Wow. Summer. Um, you know, you're talking 12,000 games and 75% of those in three, three to four months. So here's some of the things we've done. I've kind of taken recruiting and training on in, in my the American sports officials company. And some of that bleeds over because we work hand in hand. Uh, the young kids are important. Every little league in America has the 13 or 14 year old kid that doesn't play that wants to be an authority figure or for whatever reason, he's out there umpiring and nobody wants him umpiring their games right now because he's that kid. I know that kid because I was that kid when I was 15 the thing is, if we go find those kids, because they're in every single league, and take them under our wing and say, listen, I'm going to take some time with this guy. I'm going to actually go down to the little league park. I'm going to work with him. I'm going to train him. I'm going to get him to training. All of a sudden, now you're opening up doors. We held a camp in Florida this year, and I geared it to never, ever umpire before. I, if, you, if you even think about you want to umpire ever, come to this. Uh, we had about 26 people show up, and – some of them never on parts. Some of them didn't know how to put gear on. One one guy didn't know what a, how to put a cup on. I mean, it was like that. At the end of the camp, every person uh, was ready to join the roster and wanted to work. And we found eight, nine, and ten year old games to start putting them on. I got a thirteen year old, a fifteen year old, a seventeen year old that's better than most ten year veterans, a twenty two year old, and a twenty one year old because we got them early. We got to go find these. I call it target, like targeting these kids. We got to go find these kids who love it and want to do it and teach them the right way. Um, the second thing is, is we need to treat our veterans. Well, the guy who got him some new knees or he's toward the end and his day was yesterday. That that guy doesn't want to work the plate anymore. You got to put him on, on the bases and, and, and keep him out there and working with those young kids find an, a significant importance for your older veterans to work with these young guys. Hey, this is the young kid that needs a mentor. We're going to put him on the plate in five JV games this year, and he's going to be with you. And, and, and so now your veterans feel like they're giving back. They feel like that they've got significance. So recruiting is keeping also keeping them in the game. The, your, 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 your tenured veterans. The next thing we do is, your college and, and, and pro, you know, your, your minor league guys, if you guys have those in your areas, Florida has full of them. If the college guy's only available one night a week and you don't even know when he is, we want to book that guy every time we can on the field. Uh, I know there's some assigners in the country that, man, if you can't come to my high school meetings and if you can't come do this and you can't come do that, you can't come to that, I can't assign you games. We have to get rid of that mentality. If I've got a college or a guy that's a pro umpire and I can get him on the field with one of my umpires, if it's 
three nights in the whole season and the guy picks up 70, 80 bucks, I'm going to put that umpire on the field. Your coaches see that guy on the field. They also, when they're going to watch the kid that graduated last year, they see him at the college game. Well, wait a minute, that guy working the college game works my high school games. And it's good to get that exposure on your fields and get your young guys around him. Um, the other thing is I recruit wherever I go. Uh, I got this stupid, my number one recruit, recruiting tool is this stupid little charm. My wife bought this little umpire mask for me and everybody who sees it, what is that? I get that stupid, every, every, I don't where I go. What is that? What is that? Is that like Skeletor or, you know, something crazy Avengers or something? No, uh, baseball. Oh, baseball. Cool. You're a catcher. No, I'm an umpire. Oh, that's so cool. I've got them right there. <laughs> That's really cool. Would you like to become an umpire? We have to stop being scared of asking people, would you like to be an umpire? And uh, we need to open our eyes up to more young people, more women. Uh, there, there are people who want to be umpires that don't even know they want to be umpires. So we have to have things ready when we're out in public and we're out talking to people. You, would you like to be an umpire? On this date or this time, I know when this is, I'd like to invite you to come join me. Can I get your phone number or email address? I want to send you an invitation to this thing I'm doing. So that's another way we do it. I'll say this one because it's also highly political and, and people get their feelings hurt by it, but this is what we have to do. When young people come into our groups, our associations, and are through our ranks, and they're really good, we have to stop holding them back. The, this generation today that we have, uh, they're millennials, they're different than we are, they're different, they were raised differently. The days of paying your dues for 20 years to get to where you want to go is keeping more people out than it's helping. I have sent two-year umpires to the state championship in Florida. I have sent people that have been in our association one year to a state championship. If they're that good, they're that good that stops that attrition rate after the two or three years, they don't want to see it anymore. If they see the same five guys going year after year after year, they never see a window of hope. So I think part of recruiting is also retaining and that's how we do it. And the last thing I would tell you is I work really closely with my other sports assigners and this happened more in football. I was really, really struggling in football a few years ago at the high school level. And I went to our basketball assigner and he had a really young crop of uh, young college, 20, 25 year old basketball uh, guys and gals. I said, can you help me with football? So he sent a thing out. He, and, and he got creative. He said, if you sign up for football this year, I will waive your dues in basketball. You don't have to pay any dues this year. It's created an incentive for them. Eight people showed up, five stuck with it, and three of them are some of our best officials three years later because they already have the mentality. So create perks with other sports assigners to get crossover training, and you might be able to help them. Hey, listen, in basketball season, if you think about doing basketball, I'll waive your baseball news to, if you go sign up for basketball. Those are some of the creative ways that we've come up with, and I don't think I don't know if we're keeping up, but we are seeing results. So uh, that that's more my wheelhouse recruiting training, but that's some of the stuff we've done. That's great to hear because it seems like on a national level, we keep doing the same thing the same way and expecting a different result and it just don't work. And I, I think that, uh, idea of something as simple as wearing a charm to get somebody to ask a question and then it opens the door big time. I also, also think that we're not, tapping into our former college players or former high school players uh, enough. 
we need to get to these coaches and ask them, you know, coaches, uh, players that are not going to make the team or that have just timed out or whatever like that. And they're no longer in the game. We need to keep those guys in the game or gals in the game. So we need to tap, tap into that and get these coaches on board to give us that information so we can go and attempt to talk to these people. Uh, Mark, what's your experience been? I have a question to ask the group, if I may, sure. because there's one, there's one topic or subject uh, that hasn't been brought up regarding recruiting, and that is pay and how often the umpires get paid. May I ask how often everybody gets paid for, for, for school ball or non-school ball? Do you get paid that day or three months later? How does it work on, on your end? I'm just curious. And then I'll share what we have done. Okay, well, this year, this year was, was different than, than normal. So normally we play, again, our season starts mid-February. We end for North Coast section right after Memorial Day. I know Central Coast section, which is, um, you know, San Jose, uh, the Penins San Francisco Peninsula, San Jose, you know, and further south, they end by Memorial Day. But we just go like the week after. Um, we divide our season in half. We get paid halfway through, and then we get paid after playoffs. I do. How about uh, the other guys? Summer group, I, I we tried really hard this year to change it to pay monthly. There are some games that, not for high school, for the non-scholastic, that it's pay at the plate. Ah. We pay on site, and I always insist you will pay the umpires at the plate meeting. For non-school. Some of them, they say, we want to pay at the play. Well, because they, they, they hear how much we got, we have 30 games and you tell them, well, here's what it's going to cost, you know, pay us. And they're like, oh, well, can't we just pay him for each game? It's like, e not as preferred, but okay. Yeah. 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 So I, I asked for at the play, because what if you eject that coach? Now you got to go after the game, find them. Yeah. 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 It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, we, we've, we've tried, if I may, uh, and just, we just started this year, a lot of transition this year up in, up in Washington. Um, after you work non-school or I'm sorry, after you work school ball, you are paid through arbiter pay from the state, uh, in, within 24 to 48 hours. Yeah. And then you can hook up your arbiter pay account to, your personal bank account or a savings account. We use our, we use ADP. It's something that we latched on to a couple, three years ago. It's the ADP payroll system mm -hmm. and it costs nothing. And everybody gets a card. It costs nothing. Wow. You can hook up your ADP card to your Arbor pay and then do whatever you want with it or just transfer it into your bank account, however, however you want to do. The other thing that we do as an association and we started this a couple of years ago was we put our larger customers, non-school customers on contract and they pay, uh, they will pay us a, uh, they'll make installment payments and it starts in March and they make installment payments. So they're rather large to give us the cash flow because we can start paying our guys. We used to not give, give draws out until the first week of June. Now we give draws out the first week of April and it's 70%. Sweet. Of their earnings and we don't and they don't have to put in for a draw request and they have for since 1969 they don't do that anymore they get 70 percent of their earnings the first week of uh of april may june july august right and then we wrap up uh, in october 
uh, with the final check and assessments and, and that sort of thing. That has been huge. That has become huge with our group. And uh, in terms of recruiting, but not just recruiting, it's retention. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll, I'll finish up with this. Um, several years ago, I've been on the board forever and I'm part of baseball for not as long as you guys, but 16, 18 years. And um, uh, and I don't want part anymore. I, I, I full time. I'm retired. With the um, I, I I I took a bunch of guys to dinner from football, volleyball, basketball in several counties. We all met for dinner and um, met for about four hours. And I said, "What are you doing to help recruit?" And we swapped and shared ideas. The thing that that caught me my attention was nobody had any retention ideas. And it goes hand in hand. If you're, if you're going to go to all the trouble to get a guy, or two guys, or five guys, how do you, how do you, how do you, what are you doing to, to keep them? Because otherwise, you're just spinning your wheels. We're all spinning our wheels. So we put just as much effort into our retention as our recruiting. And the retention was first and foremost was how often do you get paid? And then, and then we go to battle. I'm sure you guys do too. We go to battle for our, for our officials. And uh, for increased game fees, and we we negotiate game fees year after year after year with all of our all of our clients. The, uh, the state doesn't negotiate game fees; that's state driven. But uh, what do you guys pay? Because I think that's attractive too. We just yeah. got a raise last year, so what do you guys yeah. pay for school ball? Yeah, high school, I'm recruiting a high school umpire. You can make some side money. You can make extra money. If, what if you're working varsity, you're going to get sixty eight bucks. And that includes your travel fee. Everybody gets an $18 travel fee at 68 bucks. Uh, it's 55 and change for, for JV and C games, that sort of thing. The average non-school game fee, we don't pay travel, but the average non-school game fee is about 60. It's about 60 bucks. We got guys making 10, 12, 15,000 doing that, throw in two other sports, and you know you can you can't put butter on the table, you know for those guys, but uh, but it, it's the retention. And and I'm going to echo somebody else that said might be you, Scooter, that if you uh, if you've got them for three years, with us it's two years. If you've got them for two years, you got them. You got to get them through the first two years. And what we do is we hook them up and pair them up with a mentor, and that mentor is committed to holding that guy's hand and being available and working with that guy on and off throughout two seasons to. Uh, it gives him a safety net uh, in case there's an issue, something happens. You can always be the same guy. You're hearing the same, you're hearing the same voice. And if, and if that uh, mentor mentee relationship isn't working, then we give him another couple of options, you know, so on and so forth. That seems to be working. Our uh, state and, group, our state group. So our, our state FHSA doesn't negotiate fees, but they put a, it's a cap. Yeah. And for, you know, official fees won't exceed this. And uh, for varsity for us, it's $87. And for a JV, it's 68. I mean, so that's a great selling point. Now, it was significantly lower than that. It was in the, the, the $50, $60 range before that. But that has helped us be able to say, hey, man, you go do a JV varsity doubleheader on a Tuesday night, that's 155 bucks. Yep. And we pay, like one of you guys said, we, we start in February, we end in May. We, we pay once in the middle of March, once in the middle of April, and then at the end of the season, wherever we wrap up. So we for high school, we pay three times during the season. 
Yeah, our guys get paid uh, within 48 hours of all their school ball. And and it's it it it's it hasn't been seamless, but it's been pretty close. And guys like that, they're they're turned on to that. So yeah, yeah, right. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'd like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bill, what's your experience been? Uh, so Ohio pays Arbor Pay at the site. So as soon as you throw the first pitch, they're paying. Um, so they're they're paid. Uh, the only problem with this year is is that most schools are twenty to thirty thousand dollars in the red from not having a season the year prior. So from that process, you're having a, uh, uh, they're not having their Arbor pay uh, uh, the money in the account. So they're waiting a couple of days. There's only a couple of schools in that, that spot. West Virginia pays you within a week. They write it still, they're not doing Arbor pay, but they're still paying within the week. Uh, I have some schools that, you know, they pay uh, two counties that I have uh, out of 24 schools in West Virginia, uh, two, two counties uh, pay twice a month. Uh, most they had the hardest time getting officials. The rest of my guys were like, ah, I'll, I'll stay in this county or I'll stay in this this conference to work in that area. So, uh, but they pay pretty pretty regularly. Arbor, Ohio's on it. West Virginia has uh, they're on it pretty quickly, pretty uh, uh, judiciously paying. Uh, the one thing about recruiting to go back to that thing about how we do recruiting. Um, the way we do recruiting is how we go to uh, twice in the season. Once in the beginning, we go to every high school and we talk to them about the new rules. We talk about the points of emphasis. We talk about, you know, uh, different things that's going on, what we're looking for for that year. And then we have our sales pitch because then we're, we're not wearing our uniform. We're not wearing our Batman suit up there or Superman suit. We're just Phil. I'm just there talking to you guys. Hey, we want you to play. We want you to do this. How about, you know, who likes to umpire? So that process, we talk about it. We tell them how easy it is to get in. Ohio, you can officiate high school sports at 16. That's the JV and below. So that's what it's talking about. So JV level that area. So it gets their attention. West Virginia still waits at 18, uh, but they're, they're changing that policy to 16 year olds as well. So we're looking to get uh, that draw. And so at the end of the season, we go again, right back to the seniors. Hey, you've seen me at the beginning of the season. You've seen us during the season. Now you got a friend in face. What about registering that year? And so we just walk them through there. The guys who are staying local, even if they're not staying local or going to school somewhere else, uh, we link them up with another association to make sure they do their, uh, they get connected to register. That's what just helped us out. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. I think one of the biggest challenges we have in baseball is it's for an official, it's the biggest money investment because with the, all the other sports that doesn't, all the other sports don't require as much gear as ours does. And I think that's a, we have to find some way to battle that because you're talking at least a couple hundred bucks before they even see a, a pitch. So I, I think that that makes people a little bit weary uh, of doing it just for the cost investment alone, just to start. It makes it kind of scary. You say that it, 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 I was first thing I thought with the, um, I think Eric mentioned that uh, they're paying twice a season, maybe. I mean, you got them a whole half season out there driving to all these games and have all that investment and have no money back yet. Right. That's, right. that's pretty great. That's pretty great. That's pretty scary <laughs> for me to tell a guy, you ain't getting paid until half the season's over. Right. <laughs> I'll be like, hey, I work I hard. One of the things, and this is actually really good. And, and I work hard when, when umpires in the area hang it up, when, uh, you know, when they've decided it's time. I send them an email, hey, 
congratulations on a great career, et cetera, et cetera. If you think about it, we're out actively recruiting umpires. If you don't want your old equipment anymore, I would, we, could we pass that on to somebody new? You would be surprised the guys who love that. They don't want it sitting in the garage. They're done. And they bring you pretty darn nice stuff. And then they bring you their stuff, the backup stuff they had, and then the stuff they had for 10 years. I At one point, I had 11 umpire bags in my garage. Um, wow. I give that stuff away. So if you can find somebody in your group to be the equipment guy, and like, hey, you know, um, I'm going to gather stuff. Umpires are really good about giving back like that. Uh, that's something that I kind of champion. Or I also put it out there. Hey, if you upgrade your mask, your chest protector, and your old one still has some life left in it, um, would you consider passing it down or, or making it available to pass to a young umpire? Um, we had four or five people at that camp I told you about that never had equipment. Not one of them had to buy a piece of equipment other than a, a cup and, um, you know, like socks and, and shirts and stuff like that. But all their all their protective gear, everything, we had something for them. If, if I could interject, um, when I worked Little League a couple of years, and that was many, many years ago, they provided everything to us except for our slacks and base and plate shoes. Otherwise, they provided everything. I mean, even a cup. They provided everything <laughs> for us. And when I came on with this group, the NBOA, Northwest Baseball Empire Association, um, we had a little bit of an inventory, but the, 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 the type of inventory, the, 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 the level of inventory that we have now is about $60,000 worth of uh, shin guards, everything, everything. And so um, we let the guys know right out the gate during our orientation. We have four or five orientations before they even start training. Just let them decide what they want to do. They can hear And we let them know it's 700 to to $1,000 out the door to really get underway. I mean, really get underway uh, with what we do. And uh, I mean, shoes are a couple hundred bucks if you really think about it, you know. Um, right out the gate, and, and we require plate pants and basins that they're all required. Um, and so, what we we commit to them, we will open up our entire inventory, and we have one Saturday a month during training of and it's two months of training. We open up one Saturday in school. <laughs> it's like going into Macy's. It's like, <laughs> and all the shoes are shined, uh, the slacks are pressed, they've been dry cleaned. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. We've got the sizing on it. And that has really benefited. There's a lot of guys out there who just don't have the money. They just, they can't, but they really want to do this. That's that, incredible. We that pulled out the old bag from the last guy that used it. Go here. They look like they'll fit. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, 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 we have in our budget that we set that money aside. We set, uh, we set everything aside and we get everything in like new condition as much as we possibly can. I tell you, you might want to watch that. I don't know if you watched that last time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I kind of want to swing back a little bit on uh, retainment. Um, what do you think is the biggest thing? Would it be the frequency and pay or the games uh, to assign them the playoff game or a kind of a high stakes game uh, top notch to see how they handle it during the season? What do you guys think? Phil, we can start with you on that one. If, if. That's, a, that's a great question. Um, I, I would tell you, uh, 
when I first got into it, it was like uh, the good old boy system when I first got into baseball. And although we were down on numbers, but when it came to the good games, the big games, or the, the learning games, you just didn't see it. Um, when I took over the assigning because the guy, the last guy was doing it on paper and, you know, nobody's update, close dates were together, get it done. Um, I made a point to change the fact of how we were keeping and retaining young officials. So if you if you were qualified, we go by classification, class three, class two, class one, class one being the varsity eligible postseason eligible officials. Um, I made sure after watching them do their games, do their process, and also talking to them, that they got more opportunities to do the better games, what we call the AAA schools uh, in West Virginia or, you know, the Division Three, Division Two, Division One in Ohio, uh, those games, because I wanted them to stay and I knew to reward them. Uh, far too long, uh, the pay has been an issue, far too long getting them games in postseason games. Pushing out, like the, uh, I think Scooter was mentioning for Florida, was talking about first year official if he's good enough, second year official if he's good enough. We've got to be mindful of guys who've been there two, three, four years, five years, and hasn't done a postseason, and then they're qualified to do it to push them forward. You know what I'm saying? And that's what we got to do is making it and um, what's the word? Pushing those guys forward to the state because the states in both areas re, uh, do the assigning for the postseason. So really just, I mean, I have all the way up to regionals in West Virginia. Ohio did anything past the regular season, but pushing those names up and, and doing that and giving them an opportunity, that's what's helped me retain the numbers that I've had here in West Virginia and Ohio. And hey Mark, uh, your thoughts on the uh, uh, retainment? As I, as I mentioned uh, before, we, we, uh, we treat retainment even uh, with more importance uh, than recruiting uh, because there's so much effort to get the guys and the people just seem to forget about the whole re retainment uh, uh, deal. We, we have found that uh, the mentor mentorship program is huge uh, in, re in retaining, uh, ensuring that everybody's paid uh, in a timely basis. Uh, we do, we've done everything we can to minimize the assessment. We assess 8%. At the end of the year, used to be 11, used to be four, used to be 12. Basketball, these guys are 17, and you know, we keep it at eight. Uh, that plays a part. Uh, game counts is not an issue, we don't have enough umpires right now. I mean, we do, but we could use 30 or 40 more. So, game, game counts is not, not an issue. Level of game can be an issue with, with, uh, with some guys. Um, you know, a, a, a little, uh, you know, umpire of the month kind of thing. We kind of do that sort of thing. Um, we ask uh, the, the tenured umpires to share the knowledge that they have that you're not going to learn in the classroom. Just little tidbits you pick up on the on the field or, you know, in the parking lot, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, we share that with all of our first, second, third year umpires, little tidbits that you normally wouldn't uh, get. Um, that's uh, that's huge. Um, being transparent, being straight up with these guys, let them know the situation. This is what's coming, this is not coming, so they can anticipate. You know, putting in their blocks and and uh, you know um, so on and so forth. We don't treat our our umpires as employees because they're not. They're we're all ICs, but um, but t taking an interest in them throughout the season. Uh, you know, throw them a 
Starbucks card now and then. Thanks for a great job. Boy, you really pulled us out of this weekend. Those sort of things will really go uh, a long ways. But I'll, but I'll leave you with this. That we, I think the biggest recruiting tool or retention tool that we have that we utilize is to we've thrown the we've thrown the we've thrown the book out when it comes to you know hey you got to put in your time we we've got a guy that comes in and the guy's sharp he may not have the exposure to working with the uh, with the uh, coaches with players you know maybe even his partners but he's got good manage, good game management skills natural game management skills. Anybody can stand in a slot. We can we can teach that and and, and how to bang, how to do a banger. That those are the easy things. It's the game management part, and that's the part that we really focus on with our umpires is is to learn how to become good game managers, and everybody feels more comfortable. And uh, you know that that just that's that's kind of what we focus on here in the uh, in Seattle area. Oh, that, that that's awesome. Um, yeah, that was the, the the pay thing is something I inherited. Um, I've only been running this group for two years, and the first year was the 2020 cut short by COVID year, and the second one was the 2021 whack-a-mole year. Um, <laughs> and the prior contracts had had run out, and we just verbally extended through 2021. So um, definitely wanted wanted to pay more often because I felt as an umpire working that only being paid twice a year. And I know some organizations in this group only pay once a year. Um, wow. It's a season. Yeah. Um, that's a long time to go. I, I, I felt monthly, but, but I'm hearing, oh, hey, get, get paid by the state day of the game. It's like, whoa, here you go. Day after the game. Yep. I, don't think I, can, I don't think I can push schools that fast, but. <laughs> uh, yeah. Was um, in the retention piece to answer the question, why don't they stay? I don't think it's the parents and the fans. Umpiring ain't easy. This stuff isn't easy. The most I do multiple sports at, at, at different levels. The hardest thing in all of sports officiating, the hardest component to officiate of any sport in the entire world is the strike zone. There's nothing like it in any other sport. There's nothing like the strike zone, and uh, so it's not easy. Uh, so. I think when we send people out ill-equipped, uh, they get discouraged. And I think uh, we throw them to the wolves. And I'm going to say something that I know umpires don't like to hear it, but it's very real. And I see we see it all the time on social media. It's uh, umpire's best friend. Um, there, there's an incredible amount of scrutiny amongst one another. Uh, why am I getting this game? He ain't or that kid's not. Sure. I remember working my very first junior varsity game umpteen years ago. Uh, and I remember the varsity guy showing up behind me. He was about 400 pounds, been around about 60 years. Uh, I was 20 something in my prime and could run like a deer and a pretty good umpire back then. And I literally, he was standing beside my mom who come to watch my first game, uh, cause it was right down the road from the house. And he looked at my mom and goes, ah, oh, another JV umpire with absolutely no clue what he's doing. And I could hear it. Uh, I've never uh, forgotten that. Uh, that's the kind of stuff we have to get out. We have to change the culture. And like I said, yes, I know no, nobody touched on that. Agreed. Agreed. Thank we you. Man. Get social media yeah. places. We got to stop people. You know what? You weren't great your first time. None of us were. Heck, I'm not even great now. I, I just do my best. Uh, John Magnuson always told us, you're not getting as many right out there as you think you are. Um, if you don't believe me, film yourself and see. Um, 
what, what separates us is like Mark said, game management. And yep. we need to teach these young people the tools to manage games, the tools to get through the tough situations. They're going to miss the plays. They're going to miss the whackers. They're going to have a bad day on the strike zone. But we got to teach them how to get through it. Uh, two other things we do is I believe success of an organization that involves you guys. I believe you need to keep your top umpires in office, the guys who have been to the next level. Um, nothing worse, and I don't. this is not a, a knock at lower-level ball. I did lower-level. I did Little League for years. I, I, I'm not knocking that. But when lower-level, a bunch of them come in, and they find themselves in offices, and now they're trying to manage a game at a level they've never really even worked at, that's not good. You need your guys who work college ball managing your high school group. And the other thing is, I think it's important, whoever's making your assignments, I think that person doesn't need to be competing for the big game. I think that they need to have been there, done that, because guys get disguised and girls get discouraged when the assigner's on every big game. Uh, that, is a, that is a big thing I hear from other areas. And uh, yep. that's something that we work hard not to do, uh, creating culture of support one another. Um, and I throw like you, our state has a ranking system. If you're a rank one, if you've got this many points into this many test scores in this many years, I don't, I pay about as much attention to that as I do, uh, uh, a bird flying by uh, on the other <laughs> side of a concrete wall. It's just not even in my mind. I look at if a person can umpire and handle a game, yeah. um, something we're looking at this year is we have money, uh, you know. You think of our hearts palpitate. We're talking about spending money around here, but would you spend two or three thousand dollars to retain these guys? So we have rookie of the year. What happens if everybody knows if they're creating, uh, competing for rookie of the year, and you're eligible if you're a one or two year umpire? By the way, we 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 would do that for two years. First two years, rookie of the year uh, gets a thousand dollars at the end of the year. Wow! Wow, that's an incentive. Yeah. All right. The Assigners Award, the guy that never turned back a game, was there when we called, there when we needed him, never had problems, worked his butt off that one that one go-to person. This is hard because the Assigners have to pick one guy. You throw that person 500 bucks at the end of the year. You were the Assigners' choice of the year this year. You worked your rear end off. That makes everybody want to work hard for the Assigner and keep their blocks up to date and all those things. And the other thing is this. You put it out to the membership and the coaches – Hey, guys, what do you think of the umpires this year? Send us a few names, guys, that did a good job for you. Umpires, tell us who the one partner you wanted to have on the field with you that really did a great job this year. Throw that guy 500 bucks, something like that. Now, you've spent $2,000, $2,500, and you've got 15, 20, uh, you've got 80%, 90% of your association working hard to compete that. It creates a culture. The next year, yeah. a good job. So that's some of the stuff we've done. Awesome. Wow. That's awesome. That is great. That that does some great ideas, and and I'm glad. I'm so glad you guys came on the show. Uh, for one, thank you, and I'm sorry for uh, for us going a little bit over the time. We didn't even address some of the questions that were on here because you we kind of got on a roll, which was fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I'm so glad that you guys had this platform to be able to say the things that all the other signers around the country are thinking and giving them different solutions. I mean, Scooter, that was, that was fantastic. And I hope these other associations around the country uh, implement that or implement something to that effect, because there's no incentive like money. <laughs> 
let's face it, they're real, the money. They're real, yeah, right. Yeah. It's, it's all about the ducats. So, unfortunately, yeah. Um, so thank you guys so much for being on the show. And would, would it be okay if I threw in a, a couple of things that we do that I think would? I'll just be really quick for sure. in, in terms of recruit uh, or uh, retention. Um, if if somebody works a hundred games, um, they get uh, they get the cap with a hundred game symbol on the back. And then we uh, we give them uh, cash uh, as well. Uh, you know they get that. But to uh, the other fellow's point about uh, the assigner work, we have multiple levels, uh, and we have an assigner work for each level. So everybody oh, wow. has a, everybody has a shot to get an assigner work. And uh, I like the idea of just not a plaque, <laughs> give cash too. Yeah, give yeah, plaque. Sure. yeah give definitely. Cash. I like that idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Put in the budget. <laughs> excellent well we sincerely appreciate because we haven't uh and it 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 hasn't been this way on purpose it's just you know we're all from northern california so it seemed like you know we were pretty northern cal or you know west coast driven and we wanted to make sure that we got representatives from all over the united states because that's what our podcast is designed for it's designed for everybody and we wanted to make sure that uh, everybody got repped and I can't tell you how much we appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day with so many different, with the time changes and everything like that from where everybody is, uh, to come on our show and talk about, uh, not only your struggles, but your, uh, but your achievements as well. So thank you guys for doing thank you. the absolutely most selfless job in the United States of America, because you yeah. guys get taken advantage of so much and you guys have to juggle things like I, I can't even imagine. And uh, I can. So, <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah, all, all, but, all yeah. So, so thank you guys so much for doing what you do. And thank you, uh, thank you for uh, coming on our show sincerely. Thank thanks you for having us. Thank hey, thanks for having us, man. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thank appreciate you guys it. very much. Appreciate it. I'll, I'll probably be calling you all later, too, to <laughs> follow up <laughs> for help get during the year. Get some help. Yeah, during the year or just sympathy. So <laughs> absolute call us anytime. All right. Thanks. Thanks, brothers. Thank you. Right, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. You guys, you guys have a good rest of your day. Right, thanks. Well, that was another splendid edition of Strike Free Podcast. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I, it I, and what a way to come back. Uh, I think that so. was I I was surprised. I mean, because I told you guys about my hesitation about the round table with just more than just four of us so right that that was that was awesome that was great yeah, those guys it was, a lot of information so the state of washington is where you want to umpire if you want to be paid day day after the game right i'm moving guys yeah you'd be another guy moving out of california exactly <laughs> and i tell well, you going through I the did. season uh enoch it's you know with all those there was almost a forest for of trees <laughs> that you had on a daily basis. I did changes. my part for to fight the wildfires by reducing the number of trees. <laughs> that, boy, you, you sure did. No, I mean, I'm man. telling you that the, that was maddening just to hear uh, a little bit of it and yeah. um, to try to balance to try to balance that. And of course, there was no balance. <laughs> at that time um but to try to do that and keep your sanity at the same time my hat's off to you man well, i don't know how sane it was but it, it, it's off to every single 
every assigner was doing the same thing. And I'm glad I'm not the only one that, that stared for hours at the screen of Arbiter, hoping an umpire showed up as available to work this game. Because, um, yeah, I've talked to a couple in around Northern California, and, yeah, we all did the same thing. It's like, well, where are they? Someone's got to show up. Someone's got to be available. Um, and we were fortunate. We got all our games covered. Um, there were there were only three games. One of them was a doubleheader, and one was a, a game that they forgot to tell us, but we got the games covered. Someone was there by, you know, the second inning or so. Mm -hmm. uh, hey, there's no umpires in this game we forgot to tell you about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so funny. Um, but we were able to find someone to go. So, so hats off to the umpires who really, the guys who worked this year, some of them worked way more than, yeah. than they have ever before or, or even wanted to just to help out and get the games covered. Um, yeah, we have great groups of umpires around here and yeah, couldn't do it without them. And, and this next year is going to be interesting. Yeah, for sure. I'm hoping we'll it goes more towards normal. Um, because I'm not sure I can survive another six months. <laughs> uh, no, get back, yeah. Get those umpires back out on the field that were hesitant. So hopefully, yeah, that that's a turn around with inertia. I, I know we had a number of umpires who uh, I, I think Phil mentioned they got the stimulus check and they didn't well with stimulus checks. And then we had uh, in California the unemployment. Right, right, Spend yeah, exactly. Guys who didn't work because oh, I'm collecting unemployment, so uh, I'm not going to work. And so hopefully those guys come back. Um, I, I think that that gravy train stops the end of this month. Yeah. So hopefully those guys will be hungry and want to work. Um, and if at least I can get it paid monthly, that, that would probably help. Um, but there are a number of guys who... Yeah, I'm not going to work. I'm, I'm, I'm happy sitting here not working. It's like, right. Um, but there is, you know, at, at different levels, uh, we'll, we'll talk to college assigners too. Um, yes. The guys who, the inertia, they're okay with not umpiring now. Yeah. Or, or you know, they had to find something else, or they had to change jobs, and it may have been yeah. because yeah. they they didn't have the umpire or officiating money. Um, some of them because their jobs changed itself with the COVID pandemic. Um, right. They now have new jobs without the flexibility. So they can't come back even though they want to. Right. So um, that's going to be a challenge, challenge throughout. So yeah, because what, a, what, a, what nope. a great subject jumping. Sorry. <laughs> what that's a great okay. Group of guys. Um, and they're all so, so generous and, and with their time and, and sharing greatly appreciate it yeah absolutely absolutely and listeners we hope you found uh value in this too and if you um if you heard something today that you think you could implement in your association to for retention and uh or to recruit by all means please use it because that's what this platform is for uh it's for you guys all over the country and we appreciate you everybody listening and it's a good way. That was a good show to come back on. Yeah, absolutely. Good to be back in the studio. You bet. <laughs> and so our next episode, uh, we're going to have uh, the college guys, uh, the college assigners, and see how their uh, season fared. So 
until next time, this is CB. This is Enoch. And this is Trav. With another splendid edition of Strike 3 Podcast. See you next time. All right. Later. Well. Thank you for joining us on Season 2, Episode 12 of Strike 3 Podcast. And special thanks to our guest panel of high school baseball assigners from across the country, Mark Clough from Washington, Scooter Morrison from Florida, Phil Porter from Ohio and West Virginia, Steve Watermaker from Southern California, and our own Enoch from Northern California on the perils of assigning during COVID. Please join us on our next episode where we will continue this discussion with two-time College World Series umpire and NAIA and Division Three assigner, Billy Hayes. And remember, Strike 3 Podcast, your source for taking your umpiring to the next level. See ya! Oh, before you go, like all good sports officials, we value the importance of feedback. Please rate our podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get this podcast. Your rating will help us improve and assist others in finding the Strike 3 podcast. Or please feel free to email us at feedback at strike3podcast.com. That is feedback at strike, the number three, podcast.com. Thanks for listening.